Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Player to Prospect podcast. As you can see, our guest today is Micah Rooney. He is a prominent figure in the college baseball world. He is also a writer for D1 Baseball and has a fantastic Twitter to go along with it. We are going to be covering a ton of different topics in the college baseball world today, especially the current climate of college baseball and some things we'd like to see change maybe. So without further ado, let's get to the episode and my conversation with Mike Rooney. Well, we left this open or you left this very open to like let me navigate, which yeah. it's kind of funny because I'm the perfectly wrong guy to do that with because I'm like, all right, I'm, I got to do this, 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 like all. <laughs> so I had to like really boil down. I'm like, OK, what's one like central topic that I think like would be a, a fun thing where it's not too narrow, where we're like, OK, we already know what this episode's about, mm-hmm. you know, like if we don't like it, then we're just not going to listen, but it's yeah. not too broad where it's like, we're talking about everything. So sure. it's a, it's pretty broad. I'll admit, but the okay. general theme is yes. changes in college baseball. Mm, yeah. So, and I think this is like, especially now we're seeing a lot of it. We're seeing a ton of change in college baseball. And I think at some points we're like, Ooh, what do we think about this? Like, I don't know. And maybe it, maybe it's panning out. Like, and we'll see down the line, it'll pan out. And other times we're like, ooh, um, hmm, okay, okay. What's we'll like, I just feel like there's a, there's a, especially, you know, I started, I, I stopped playing, sorry, in 2021. And I feel like there's already been a lot of changes happening to college baseball. Yeah. Good, good. And you could say bad, but, you know, just changes, right? Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, I think when you said that, the first thing that jumped into my brain was just kind of like the history of college baseball where, you know, we were, we've always been the sport that was just kind of like the youngest child that's kind of precocious and <laughs> the parents just wish we would sit in the corner, but you know, they're preoccupied with football and basketball. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if you think about the, like what I would consider the golden age of college baseball, like the seventies, the eighties into the nineties, and mm. the sport was really built on just the personality and the sheer will of some of those coaches, you know, like Rod Dato, Skip Bertman, uh, you know, uh, Ron Frazier, you mm-hmm. can go, you know, Augie Garrido, uh, yeah. Wayne Graham. I mean, you go through that whole list, Skip Gillespie. I, you know, I, my, my coach was Pat Murphy. He's kind of like on mm-hmm. the younger side of that crew, but you know, those guys were just these massive personas that just kind of willed college baseball forward, you know, mm-hmm. Jim Brock at Arizona state, all those guys. And so, yeah. You know, and the only leadership we really got from the NCA was, okay, no, like, you know, like, okay, (laughs) you're like, okay, now you're grounded, right? Like we we see you acting up in the corner and now Mm -hmm. you have to stop. Right. And then they go back to raising the other kids. And then, and so, um, yeah, so, so now we, we progress and, you know, we, we get through the nineties and the sport has exploded and now it's exploding Mm -hmm. again because the SEC has figured out how to make money in baseball and, you know, the the television has changed the whole thing. And so I, I think where, where, if I had to put a bow on, on, you know, your, your comment, your question is that we're base, Hey, college athletics are in a weird spot, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's maddening because no one's really in charge. The, like at the end of the day, the people who are in charge of at college athletics are the presidents of the schools. And, Mm -hmm they have so many other things to worry about outside of college athletics, let alone 
you know, sport number three or four or five or six or seven or whatever we would call ourselves in baseball. And mm -hmm. so, you know, like that, like that, I think that's the hardest part about college sports is it's a headless horseman. You know, like if I had the best baseball idea in the world, and I think we've all got some good ideas, I don't mm. even know who to pitch because I, I don't <laughs> even know who's in charge. And so I think yeah. um, it's a scary time in college athletics because mm. it, it's really, we are, we are morphing into professional baseball or some version yeah. of it mm -hmm. and you know, like I, I guess I told, told you I would put a bow on it and I'm doing a terrible job but here's the bow I'll try to put on it is <laughs> I worry I never played professional baseball mm -hmm. but I've been around baseball a long time I've coached players that played pro ball what I worry about is this this is what haunts me mm. players that I know that came back and said yeah my pro experience was actually kind of awful but my college experience was awesome and I'm worried that if we keep professionalizing college baseball, now are we giving that kid two terrible experiences? Now, that said, like, it's not like college baseball has ever been purely amateur. Like, you could mm -hmm. be on 80%. I could be a walk-on. You know, there, there is some hierarchy there. But I'm yeah. just – I think we're all a little bit nervous about there's so many changes happening all at the same time. And what are, what are the unintended consequences that we're going to – that are down the road that we can't see yet. Yeah. I think that actually might be because I, I wrote down a few things where I'm like, okay, maybe these are some things we, that might need some modifying that would help that situation. But the, the general problem is it's just becoming way too close to professional baseball. And I mean, it's understandable why professional baseball is the way that it is. It should be pretty cutthroat. It's super competitive. You're competing for such a limited amount of spots on each team and each organization. It makes sense. It's supposed to be like, there's a reason for it. Whereas college baseball, it begs the question, what's the point of all this? Like, what's, what's the, like, yeah, maybe, you know, NIL or transfer portal, like there's some benefits there, but, th but then you say, okay, you can't just look at the benefits. You have to look at it holistically. You have to think mm -hmm. about the long-term impacts and the trends that you'll start to see over time, especially. And that, I'll admit, that is a couple of things too, like specifically that I wrote down. Some parts of the NIL, some parts of the transfer portal, I personally think need changing. Yeah, so I think it's fair. Yeah, and I would say, you know, the, the, the problem, I think here's a decision we have to make mm -hmm. as people who care about college baseball is yeah. the professionalization of our game is it's we're already it's we're already going down that road right like i don't think there's any brakes on this car at this point hmm. however like college baseball college athletics is special right it's it's different than professional athletics so i think what we have to decide is what are the things that are non-negotiable like what are the you know there's a better word than amateur because it's always kind of been faux amateur but like hmm. what are the what are the hills we're willing to die on that we feel have made college sports an incredible experience mm. versus, and, and, I, and again, I don't want to paint professional baseball or athletics as just an awful experience. It's, but it's different, <laughs> you know, it's your job. It's, it's your, it's your livelihood and that changes things. So, you know, like things that I would cling to would be things like the education component. Like I think my Ooh, yeah. personal opinion is the way you change generational socioeconomics is education. It's not cash. I don't think cash changes moments, education changes generations. That's, you know, I may be a little Pollyanna there, but that's what I believe, <laughs> you know, like 
I also believe that getting to play with a group of guys for three or four or five years is special. I wouldn't want to change that. We know we've changed it pretty good here recently, but I wouldn't want to go, you know, like I I think as we make future changes, um, I would want to be mindful of those types of things. So, yeah, I think there are parts that we can save. There are hills that we can, you know, kind of plan ourselves on that become really important. And then, you know, hey, like to your point, Jack, NIL, like for the longest time, baseball families have been going into debt to play college baseball. If NIL prevents that for some families, I think we have to look at that as a positive. But to your point, we can't ignore the fact that we've created this perverse incentive for agents Mm. to encourage players to get in the portal because there's going to be NIL. We all know NIL money is driving the portal. And Mm. if I'm an agent, I'm incentivized to drive you into the portal, get an NIL bidding war going. And what I'm being told is that agents are getting more than 5 to 10% of NIL money. Even though that's the going rate for signing bonuses, it might be 10, 15, 30% for an NIL. Now, again, this is oh, all, boy. this is part of the problem, right? I'm speculating. Like, this is all conjecture. These are things mm-hmm. that I'm hearing, but it kind of gets back to the whole thing. Like, it's maddening because it's, it, it'd be like Wall Street if regulatory bodies said, you know what, we're going on vacation indefinitely. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. How's that going to turn out? Probably not good. We're going to turn turn our eyes on this one. You know, you guys <laughs> like we're going to Europe. And, yeah. and when we come back, please don't have ruined the greatest country in the history of mankind. It does kind of feel like that, huh? Where you're like, OK, yeah, we're allowing a good thing to happen. But you you can't you can't ignore the fact that some people will always try to take advantage of the circumstances, whatever that is, especially when money's involved, leverage is involved. I mean, <sighs> Just the fact that you hear it, you're like, okay, if I'm hearing this, what's really going on? What's not being said? Yeah. And, it, and again, going back to the lack of, uh, I don't want to call it policing, but just uh, transparency and ability to regulate. How could you re- or regulate it? It's like, that's a crazy job in itself too. Yeah. So it's the, like- the, the lack, yeah, like in regulation is like, I don't want to portray um regulation is easy it's it's, so i brought up wall street because my my younger brother (laughs) was the smart kid in our family and he works Mm -hmm. on wall street right and so i've always been curious about college athletics and like you know like the ncaa is a weird thing because like i'm hypercritical of the ncaa in many ways with the exception of i think they're great at running championships like i've never met somebody that's been in the ncaa tournament that said i had a crappy experience like they are Mm -hmm. awesome at that regulation i would argue they're terrible at um but i asked my brother once i said hey tell me an industry that's great at regulating itself you know like like i like what could college sports model themselves after and my brother was like there is none there's no such thing and 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 so he was being facetious right like he was just kind of busting my chops but he said hey Mm -hmm. like I would say the community banking system is pretty good at it. The governing body is a bunch of former community bankers. They know the game. They're in the weeds. They love mm. it. You know, like they're, they, they're, they're, um, they're invested in all the right ways. But, but, you know, again, it's like, I don't know what we do about NIL. And, and I think the other point we have to be careful of, Jack, is like some of these things that we hear, like, are they exceptions or are they the rules? And so, again, mm. I think regulation is really tricky. Um, yeah. You know, but I, again, it's like when all these things came together all at the same time, 
it's like we now have this menu of unintended consequences that we don't even we're still sorting through the menu right now like i feel like we just looked at the menu for the first time and and we have yeah. no idea what to do with ourselves and and you know as you know it's moving fast right like the menu's changing sometimes yeah <laughs> and you're like well said. You're like whoa, whoa, whoa hold on hold on um but as you were speaking i the idea came to my mind of what if we sort of leaned into it a little bit where it's like okay we're accepting that it's happening we can even we can even uh delegate like you know open player agents whatever it is that can use the nil i mean i don't know again if that's like already a, a thing that's allowed or what what's going on there if it's all behind the table but maybe you say like okay yeah like we'll be open about this like you can do this but we'll just cap it we'll just there's a certain level at which it's like okay this is too much like you're and not for the sake of oh it's just too much money just because i say so it's for the sake of the competitive advantage is so egregious through mm -hmm. money where it's almost it's hard to say unfair but it's it's uh God, I guess the word is unfair. It's almost yeah. like it's almost like this this divide is so large that it, it feels like a it feels greater than like a David versus Goliath type of matchup. You know, yeah, what I'm I think saying? it's fair totally because if you look at professional sports, like that, that's the other thing. Like if we're headed down this road where our thing that we love so much, college sports, college baseball, is going to professionalize itself. Yeah, we we have examples, right? Like NHL, MLB, NBA, NFL, right? So there are lessons. They are running the organization that we are actively becoming. And, you know, three and a half of them have salary caps, right? So I don't know. I actually, I've never, until you just said it, I've not really thought about an NIL salary cap. But what I have been pondering is the fact that, hey, we've just eliminated the salary cap in college baseball, right? Like we, we had 11.7 plus financial aid and it got, you know, it could get uneven, but it was like, at least there was a foundational principle of 11.7. Um, and, and that served as like a soft salary cap. Now it's all blown to bits, right? Like it's just, yeah. and so here's the thing I keep thinking, the, the thing I keep thinking about is we need to think about shrinking sample sizes because for instance, mm. like, like I'm going to use Arkansas and I'm going to use Santa Clara, right? Sure. They've never recruited against each other in the history of mankind, I'm sure, but let's pretend that they did, right? Mm -hmm. They're totally different schools. There's no scholarship that Santa Clara could probably offer a kid that would get that kid to stop to not take an, a roster spot at Arkansas, right? Like if Arkansas and Santa Clara are recruiting against each other for 10 kids, I really feel like Arkansas was winning 10 out of 10. So even this hmm. faux salary cap that we had wasn't really you know, like Arkansas was winning and, and kind of they should, right? Like you could argue mm -hmm. that. But here's what I'm worried about now is I'm worried about collecting players. I'm worried about hoarding players. You know, the I, I'm worried that these yeah. these fall rosters are getting bigger and bigger. And and again, I'm not accusing anyone like this is just the current that we're all it's allowed. In. It's allowed. Yeah. So it's like we no can't one's blame breaking you. a rule. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But what happens is if I got 48 kids this fall, here's where here's why like somebody could argue to me hey runes like why is this bugging you now fall of 2023 when mm -hmm. it didn't bug you in the fall of 2018 here's why it's different now for me if mm -hmm. i'm arkansas and i have 48 kids and let, let's call it like arkansas you know 
Greenland or something, you know, like I, I don't want to keep picking on Arkansas, but whatever, this yeah, yeah. big power program, right? If I have 48 kids on my program this fall and I, mm. by, by rule, I have to cut eight at the end of the fall because I have to be at 40. Yep. Santa Clara, my competitor, I kept those eight kids off their roster, right? Like if they're good enough to be on my team in the fall, they're good enough to play for Santa Clara. So there's, yeah. I've prevented them from acquiring that talent. Then I cut them at the end of the fall and they're not eligible to play division one baseball now this year. Cause you can't transfer in January. Right. And so that's been going on for a long time. Right. So why is it a problem now? Because hmm. at the end of this spring, I can now go to the smaller school and cherry pick their three best players. So it's like, I'm yeah. worried that we're suffocating these schools because I can keep players not maliciously, but I'm keeping them from acquiring talent on the front end. And then when they can miraculously develop some kids, I can just go. And again, we know not every kid's going to leave, but mm -hmm. we also know that a lot are. So sorry, I got on my soapbox there for a minute. I'm not <laughs> saying that's even the area we've got to police, but there's these little things like I'm worried. I hear coaches saying that, hey, the difference between mid-majors and power programs is, is it, they're drifting apart. It's getting worse. And that concerns me. It's I don't want this to become you know, I don't want to get political here, but I don't want this to become like we have to um, force equality or, you know, like I don't. Here, yeah, here's, yeah. Here's my guiding principle, Jack. I don't want to punish the SEC for loving college baseball too much. We can't do that. Right. But we can't right, we yeah. can't let them accidentally suffocate the, the rest of the sport. So that's the, that's the needle we got to thread. How can we let them thrive and grow? And because they love our sport without suffocating the, the the whole i think it, and you bring up so many good points and the biggest um th like takeaway that i get from that not only by the way we're santa clara and arkansas in a regional together too I know, to, that's like, why it's that. top of mind for me yeah, yeah i'm like i'm like wait a minute they were in a regional together too yeah, it was so, awesome santa clara was tie great that, in that regional too yes to even tie that in it's like okay what's the trickle down effects of that not only just for the player but like we were talking about having a team that's together for three to four years, right? Like the kind of the culture piece, you know, maybe, mm -hmm. or um, that kid, maybe he goes Juco and then goes to Santa Clara. Right. But that, but then that's taking away a guy, you know, who maybe was a fringe guy going to Santa Clara already. And it's like, it just creates a lot of, you know, and havoc. even if that kid goes Juco in December, like I, I had two really difficult experiences with January transfers when I was at Arizona state and then mm -hmm. they were good players but I saw how hard that was on our team. And, and more importantly, I saw how hard that was on those kids. And again, they mm. were good players. And it just like, you know, and I think about sending those kids to junior college. Like when I, I was a junior college coach too, and, mm. and, and kind of my rule of thumb was, unless we've just had injuries where we can't put a team on the field, I'm not going to take position players in January. That's not fair to the kids who've been competing and it will wreck our chemistry. Now, mm. I will take pitching, right? Like, because I, I don't feel like pitching is going to smoke your team chemistry, right? Like it's, mm, yeah. you're going to adjust some roles, but like, you know how it goes, like position players, like I'm literally putting you on the field and taking another kid off the field. It feels yeah. very different to me. Now you're a pitcher and I'm not, so you, you may disagree. <laughs> uh, no, I, well, it's so funny because I'm in that, or I was in that backwards situation where we were a JUCO and we had kids coming in from UCSB who uh, were getting, you know, you call it sent down, but I mean, the, they both ended up being 
integral guys to our lineup and right. we love them. And they uh, ended up going and playing on playing at D ones, whether it was back at UCSB or somewhere else after. So like it worked out, but yeah, it, it does have those kind of adverse effects where you're like, okay, is this a, is this a thing we should uh, promote or is there a better way to handle this? Like that is just the, the driving kind of question that I keep having about things like that, you know, that, the transfer portal and NIL kind of perpetuate, you know what I mean? Totally. And, and, you know, like, here's the other thing, like, I don't think, I don't think that necessarily any of these things are the answers per se. Um, But I think they're things we got to talk about. Like, I think, Mm -hmm. I think now is a time where we have to really look under every rock and, you know, one, one other area that I'm passionate about is I think access to the postseason is something we really have to be mindful of. I might have put that down too. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotten harder (laughs) and harder, but you know, like I think, the, um, you know, the, the NIL thing, the transfer portal thing, I'm not saying we have a problem. I'm just where I was going with this is I think about English soccer, right? Like they have a mm. very vast transfer system, but what's interesting is, and, and I heard John Cohen, the AD at Auburn, who was just our selection committee chair say this. Um, it's very analogous to the European soccer model where a, a somebody questioned, you know, said to John, John Cohen expressed, he said, look, I know this is going to sound hypocritical, because I'm at Auburn University, but I'm concerned that uh, the way the transfer portal is working is the bigger programs can go get the less big programs, best players, almost yeah. at will. And and when John was questioned and they said, but isn't that the same as coaches? And, and I thought John's response was, you talk about a light bulb going off, was brilliant. He just said, look, that's fair, but here's the difference. If I go as the AD at Auburn, I go cherry pick your, you're a Mac school and I go cherry pick your volleyball coach. In theory, I have to write you a check because there's a buyout in that coach's contract. So because you help that coach develop in their career, I now owe you money. That's the way it works in European football. If Everton football club of the premier league takes the forward from Sunderland football club, uh, who's a division down or two divisions down, they owe them a transfer fee. So, mm. I mean, could we ever get there in college baseball? I, I <laughs> highly doubt that. But it is like that's what's happening right now is we are we are suffocating the non-privileged programs with like, does anything ever go back to them? Because the other part of this, Jack, is I see some transfers getting stuck because the NCA is taking a really hard line on you get one transfer until you graduate and then sorry, not sorry. And so if what I see is a lot of kids, they start at a power program and they take one more shot at a power program and then they get stuck there when they probably, the, the example I always think about that is what I want it to be is Josh Hatcher spends three mm. years at Mississippi state and mm-hmm. just can't quite the, get the everyday at bats he wants. He goes to Kennesaw state and is an all American. And then yes. he gets off into pro ball. And it's like, you know, we have to be careful because it's not right for Mike Rooney to tell every player what their path should be. But mm. I, I do think it's fair for me and you and all of us to observe trends and say, hey, this concerns me. I don't know if I came up with this or someone else came up with this or if this is already a thing. So forgive me if I'm way off base here, but would it be wrong or a would it be out of line to have the school who is receiving the transfer student to have to honor that scholarship for as long as they are an undergrad. So like, for example, transferring after freshman you're that scholarship is, it's going to be permanent until 
they're done yep. at your school. Whether or not they're playing, that scholarship yeah. is cemented. Yeah, I think so. So as I understand it, this exists. And okay, as yeah, I yeah. understand it, I've never seen anything in writing, but as I understand it, here's the way it works is if I take you as a transfer, Jack, as a you know, four-year to four-year transfer, yeah, whatever scholarship I offer you and you sign for, that scholarship is dead money for me until you have exhausted your eligibility, whether that's hmm. academic or athletic. So if you went somewhere else or, you know, like I encourage you to go somewhere else and then you signed after that year, I don't owe, I don't, I, I'm not eating 25% until you, um, graduate college or would have it's until you so when you sign a pro contract by definition you're no longer eligible and so that's how I understand it here's the problem it's not a deterrent because if you look at most transfers there or, or some of the more high profile transfers it's small scholarship big NIL like that's like co coaches hmm. have already hmm. okay. you know figured out sounds like I'm they're they're acting nefariously I don't mean it that way like they're not they're this is the world we're living in but mm -hmm. what I'm hearing is that it's small scholarship and then the, the the crux of the deal is NIL money and so you know like if I'm eating 10 or 25 percent it's not a deterrent you know in in the transfer process and I mean, and they don't even have to give a percentage. They could just say, we'll get you into school, but then you'll get NIL money and that'll just go toward your tuition. And it's the same thing. I mean, yeah. it's just a different qualification of what that number stands for, but mm -hmm. it changes how I can use it. And I'm asking because I, I do have a friend, I won't name him, there's no need to, but he went from a power program to a power program and then got caught in a situation where he was maybe going to go pro, maybe not, and was told, the scholarship is uh, no longer available. And if you come back, I mean, we, we won't be able to pay your way, basically. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, wow. And he wasn't the only guy that this happened to at this program. You know, so it, it was him and a couple others. Um, yeah. And ones that also weren't able to transfer um, because of academics. So they were already too deep into their, um, yeah. what is it, their degree. So, yeah. it, I mean, that's where it gets tricky. Yeah, like that, that's the dilemma. In, in my head right now, Jack, is that, hey, we have to cut players in college baseball, in college sports, right? Like, yeah. that's part of the adult experience. That's part of what makes the experience great, right? Like, in my mm -hmm. day job, I have pressure, you know, to produce. I'm part of a sales team. And, like, if you don't produce, the company has a decision to make. It's the same, you know, like, that's where my college sports experience um, I, I cherish it. I value it, right? Because it mm -hmm. taught me that you have to figure out ways you have to figure out yourself for when you're under pressure how do you mm. get yourself to perform the best because because pressure is pressure to perform is not going away right like that is part <laughs> of life uh, as long as you're on the planet earth and yeah. so I, I i it's a long way of saying like cutting players is never going away the the dilemma that i'm struggling with right now is mm. um is it better for us to cut players in august or december I would argue that both are traumatic and, you know, like I think if, if we went to a 40 man roster when the fall starts, which is an idea that's really intriguing to me, that will have unintended consequences that are, that we, we, we'd have to deal with. But I do hmm. like that we'd stop the hoarding of players. I do like that the, you know, like, I, you know, when you get cut in December, you're, you're getting a real pickle here because you're another semester down the road academically you've forfeited the right to go somewhere else and compete in the fall for a job. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, so, and, and I think here's the thing, like if I'm a coach and I've got 47 players in the fall, 
and you know there's a bunch of injuries or whatever I, I don't know like now with the transfer portal if you do have a bad year as a coach like I don't want coaches unnecessarily putting their livelihoods in jeopardy but yeah. you can reset your roster in 2023 quicker than you have been able to in a long long time so I don't see coaches as like hey I had a bad year and now my program is in this downward spiral out of control like I think you can patch things up quicker than ever before but I just you know I, I'm just concerned like we're, we're gonna have you know, if you take the top 50 programs in college baseball, Jack, this year, we're probably going to cut 300 players this fall. I, I might even be, you know, like maybe too conservative. And like yeah. that's 300 players that will not play Division One baseball in 2024 that obviously are good. They're talents. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm struggling with that. I'm not saying that definitively I think this is the right answer, but I am saying that cutting that many players concerns me. I just can't figure out whether to cut them in August or cut them December is the better idea. Well, the way I'm now looking at it, the way I'm picturing it is I'm seeing a cycle and it does start with transfer portal. Um, kind of that just ability, like you said, to reload teams, it speeds up the time in which coaches have to be able to like reload because they're probably not given as much um i don't know if it's leeway or just really time to no to see see it through with the program and really like get in the trenches and then like make the program theirs because 100%. I'd, be, I'd be willing to bet the coaching carousel is also kicked up big time you no know no question a, yeah like compensation's gone up we like that expectations have gone up that's spookier, you know, like, and so you're right. And I think that's, a, I, I'm glad you went down that road, Jack, because to me, it's like, we can't say to the coaches, Hey, you know what? We're uncomfortable with this. And now it's a 40 man roster in the fall, tough mm -hmm. luck, figure it out, blah, blah, blah. Like we have to think through these things, right? Like one of the things I think is if we went to a 40 man roster day, one of the fall, we have to expand fall games because now inner squads are going to be a little trickier. Hey, softball gets six fall games six mm. fall dates we get two that's so dumb like yeah, what, why why exactly bingo right yeah. so so if we got six you, you know you have that 45 day fall window so you you do one outside competition a week you know and it's it, it fits better in there and, and you're not being so dependent on inner squad scrimmages another thing i think we'd have to do if we shrunk the fall roster mm. we'd have to get we'd have to have, have an, a, a mature red shirt rule like football has where, because really the message we'd be sending coaches, Jack, is we'd be sending this. Look, we're going to ask you to work with less players, but really develop less players. Like the purpose yeah. of going from 48 to 40 is spend more time with 40. But that's a dumb rule if I have really strict red shirt rules in the spring. Where So now, like that doesn't jive, right? So like, hey, maybe it's 20 games or whatever it is, but the 20 games could happen any part of the season, um, mm. you know, where you don't have to like, just artificially not, you know, like Georgia a couple of years ago doesn't play Charlie Condon at all because they're going to redshirt him. And, you know, like maybe they could have gotten him 50 at bats or something. So I, I think yeah, that, that's where like getting yeah, a yeah. lot of smart people in the room and like, like just thinking through all these things, hmm. because we all like when I say these things out loud, I'm always concerned. So it, like my fear is I don't know what my own blind spots are. 
And so I need, yeah. like, I'm using you right now to like see what I'm, my blind spots are. I'm thinking about that too. I, that is literally like my greatest fear in life is like not even knowing the hypocrisy that I'm spewing through my mouth on a podcast. It's like, yeah. shoot, wait, we didn't think about that. And you're right. If we just get enough people who care, it's like we can probably cover everything. Like we will, like you said, leave no stone unturned. Like we can do that. It is definitely doable. But this theme of it, of things trickling down, you know, when we talk about, um, especially with the SEC thing, that that is such an interesting dynamic because I'm trying to think of like another football is interesting because there's a lot of great teams in different conferences and basketball. I mean, March Madness is called March Madness for a reason. But with baseball, it's like there's a clear cut number one and everyone's trying to, uh, you know, get to that level. But it's almost unattainable. So now we're in the dynamic of if you can't beat them, join them, you know, yeah. and it's like, OK, OK, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, think about it. Like, think about you are Californian. I, you know, I grew up on the East Coast, but you spent a lot of my coaching career, you know, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I think about like California is like like this is the founding father state of baseball in our country, in my opinion. Right. Like I know Texas has great baseball in Florida. But mm-hmm. California, when, when if you told me, hey, what's the what's the state in baseball? For me, still, it's <laughs> California, right? Like this, this is you know Florida's yeah. football crazy, and you know Texas is football crazy. California's always been baseball crazy, and I, I know the football's great there too. But my mm-hmm. point is this: like to, the last couple of years, if you look at the SEC with their fourteen schools, we're having four and five of those schools with starting shortstops who are California kids. I mean, they are literally going all the way across the country and that's fine. Like they're going there for good reasons, television facilities, fan bases, um, you know, draft uh, exposure. I mean, Mm -hmm. these are not bad decisions that these people are making, but I, you know, it it is, it is to your point. It's like everyone's chasing the sec. So that's Mm -hmm. where to me, it's like, this year when LSU played Florida in the title game, mm-hmm. it was that we had 3.6 million viewers on ESPN, which is a massive number. Like the softball, which is another sport that's thriving and surging. Mm-hmm. They only had like 1.8 million viewers and they were on ABC. Like they were on the, the network. We were on yeah. ESPN and we still had double the number. And so we, we have to recognize that like the SEC has been awesome for college baseball. But again, mm-hmm. it's like, how do we, help the sec keep doing their thing mm-hmm. and 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 show people how great our sport is without um them just like here's something that happened jack in 2019 mm. in softball there were there are 13 sec schools that play softball all 13 of them made the ncaa tournament i no offense to softball because i think it's great and it keeps growing i don't want to ever go there no thank you like i don't like that, that feels yeah. like it delegitimizes what is a very good sport, you know? And so mm. I don't want to go there, but at the same time, so, so this is where access to the postseason. I think I wrote an article for D one baseball.com this, this summer that was really fun where what if we expanded the NC tournament to 72 teams and we made it 32 hosts instead of 16, because we are getting to a point where think about this, this year, the sec was so dominant that we had 16 hosts and the sec is a 14 team league. Mm -hmm. There are 30 conferences that are represented in the NCAA tournament, 30. One of them 
almost had nine of the 16 hosts. They had eight. They almost yeah. had nine. Yeah. And, and it's like, so that's, that's, that, that's frightening, you know? And so, yeah, I don't know, like thinking about ways to, and, and that's where I love 32 hosts, right? 32 hosts mm-hmm. doesn't punish the SEC. It rewards them more, but yeah. it also like, I've gone back in time and this year's tournament, if we did 32 hosts, there would have been seven new conferences with, a, or, or the, the extra um, hosts would have, or the extra eight teams would have come from seven different conferences so yes. it, it's not because that's the argument right like if we expand we're just going to give the sec more well yes but not all of it so yeah. anyway the, the 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 i think there are things that can be done if we're clever and we're creative um where we can thread that needle but i do think that inaction is very scary to me this is where the conference shakeup comes into a, uh, effect in a major way because we're talking about having too many teams from one conference into the, you know, regionals. And it's like, just stop putting more teams in the conference. Like you don't need to build the conference up even more. I mean, maybe for some TV or whatever re- business reason. Sure. But it's like, okay. The sport's not like getting worse because you, you kept the same amount of teams in your conference. Yeah. Like the sport, the SEC, and this is why it's so great. They're always going to be that pioneer of like, the mecca you know like it's just that's how it is like people see what they're doing and they're like we need to do that you know for example i'm trying to think off the top of my head like um you could say for example like a wake forest right like they they saw at some point they're like we need to really invest right we need to invest heavily mm-hmm. in baseball you're like a louisville or something like that right and and it shows it's like it works so then you think right about the I didn't even know you wrote that article, by the way, but I love this because I don't think anyone would care if they're the, what is it, 30, uh, how many hosts did you 32 say? 32 hosts. So, so basically everything is a three-game series instead yeah. of an actual regional. I don't, so, yeah. Sorry to yeah. interject, but I don't think anyone would care, you know, like if their team got into the regional 30, number 31, right? It's not the strongest regional. It's like, no, we're going to a regional. Like we have going a shot. Going to postseason, yeah. We have a shot. You know, people, there's going to be more, like – stands are going to be packed still. I mean, it, it doesn't matter, you know, like the barrier to entry being lower it again, it kind of makes it a little bit more like that March Madness style where you're like, yeah, let's see a 16 team be a Cinderella story. Like, wouldn't that be something? Yeah. You know? Cause we are, we are getting to a point where like, I, you know, again, if you look at the sec right now, and this is, I hope this is taken as a compliment to them. Cause this is incredible mm-hmm. what they're doing, but they're attracting the best coaches from all over the country. You know, if you look at it, if, if my math is correct, if it weren't for Arkansas not being able to catch that foul pop-up against Oregon State, which, again, I think it was a tough play, but if, if, yeah, if yeah. Arkansas catches that foul pop-up in 2018, we are living in a world where the SEC has won the last six national championships in baseball, and it was six different schools in that league. Yeah, like, I was about to say. It's utter domination, right? Like that, they, 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 mm-hmm. they are leaving the rest of the – the you know the leagues and the dust now that said i'm so glad you brought up wake forest jack because Mm. you know like you there's no rational person could look could line up wake forest and lsu so in one i'm I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth right because in one sense i'm i'm talking about the sheer domination of the sec but if we lined up the rosters for lsu and wake forest this year a very rational person could say you know what I would like the Wake Forest roster to go into this postseason tournament, right? Like you can sure, yeah. My oh, personal sure. opinion, it's a pick 'em. Now, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, LSU won 
you know, won the national title. They were very deserving. But Wake Forest had a special team, and they keep – you know, Wake Forest is when, – when, when people like me are going on and on about how dominant the SEC is, is what you said a moment ago about Wake Forest. They're investing, they're smart, and they're winning, right? Like they are mm-hmm. – like the, the Wake Forest had a heck of an offseason building on what was a really good season. And yeah. so, um, you know, like as I sound the doomsday alarm, Wake Forest is just, you know – you know, working away and, and getting it done. So it's not all doomsday, but I, I still, I, re, I remain concerned that we, we have to, we have to continue to monitor things. And this goes back to the saying that I, I love that Rome wasn't built in a day because, mm. okay, sure. SEC, go get the best coaches, go get the best players. No problem. Yeah, like sh- easy. It's, not easy but easier right easier than everyone else whereas school like wake forest okay maybe uh i don't even know when they really started having crazy success i mean they've always brought been able to bring in talent but it took time it took time for you know that analytics department to develop too like the guest i had chris lewis i mean he walked me through when he got on campus in 20 i want to say 2018 or 2019 it being like a four-man team and then taking years to develop into the now it's the mecca of right. the of of baseball analytics and college baseball and again the fact that it takes time is like we need to structure college baseball to allow for that to happen i mean yeah I, there's so many times where i feel like i look at a program and i'm like oh if you just given them like one more shot or like another year or something like they probably could have figured something out or like you know, it's it's not like all these coaches are kind of just sitting waiting to, you know, for lightning to strike in a bottle. Like it's it's not thing. It's like the real success is built on like the the plan, like the long term plan and player, like you said, players developing and sticking around and and having trust in the program and like everyone buying in together. And yeah, it's it's pretty hard to see that happen a lot of the time, or at least in more programs than not, giving you know all these new circumstances that are really popular in college baseball yeah and i think to your point jack it's hard right like if if being like even in the sec it's Mm -hmm. you know look at mississippi state i have great respect for the mississippi state coaching staff Mm -hmm. this is one of the iconic programs in our sport they won the national championship in 2021 Mm -hmm. and they've missed hoover the last two years think about how crazy that is like they, they go from winning the national title to missing their conference tournament two years in a row like just because you're in the SEC doesn't make it easy. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. like all of these things kind of like what you just said a moment ago, like a lot of different things have to get together. The right investment from your school, the yeah. right level of patience by your school. And, you know, n- none of these things are, are layups. It's what makes the Wake Forest story so, so compelling and so great. But, mm-hmm. you know, I have to say, like, I'm I, I'm I. I always worry that I'm coming off as like anti-SEC. Like I think what Jay Johnson is doing at LSU is really cool. Oh I said gosh, this on our podcast yeah. recently. I was like, hey, is, is Jay Johnson pulling a Nick Saban? And I mean that as like the highest compliment I could give somebody. Like he's putting a program in some momentum that is going to be like eye-popping. Like yeah. you know, Nick Saban had that seven-year stretch in football where Alabama played for the national title six out of seven years. And I like I'm I'm looking at LSU and I'm looking at how rejuvenated that fan base is. I'm looking at all the things that make that program great. I'm looking at 
what I would consider the best transfer class in the country, you know, from top to bottom. I'm also looking at a freshman class that had one player drafted and signed one. Oh yeah. And he was like the number eight pick or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so like <laughs> LSU lost one freshman in the draft and the players that are returning that don't sign because being a player at LSU, like, let's be honest, you're a baseball player at LSU. You're not signing for the minimum, right? Like that's oh, a yeah. cool, that's no a, way. that's a, like being an LSU baseball player is a quality life circumstance. Like I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not just jumping into my baseball for nothing for a handshake. So like, mm-hmm. I just, you start, you know, I look at Jay Johnson keeps losing coaches and like we were, you know, we start with Jason Kelly. We replaced Jason Kelly with a big league pitching coach, Wes Johnson. And now we replace Wes Johnson with Nate Yeske. It's like, I mean, Insane. you know, it, it, it's insane. That's the word. It's like, it's it, it, like in, in a, in like the, the, like they're just on it. Like Jay Johnson is uh, Joe Healy, our colleague at D one baseball. He had a funny line. Mm-hmm. He said the L he referred to as the LSU apparatus and that's it, man. Mm-hmm. Like it is an absolute um, machine right now. And, yeah. and if I'm an LSU fan, I'm tickled. Um, you know, <laughs> if, if I'm, if I'm in the sec West, I'm less tickled. Have you been down there by the way? I've uh, uh, so this is funny. I've, played and coached at the old Alec box stadium, okay. never been to the new one. So, uh, so you, you guys played there, obviously, you know what? Never played there. I've just been to Baton oh. Rouge. I've been to LSU. Been to, I've would they the, come to you guys for midweek games or how would that, or you didn't play your couple of years. So fun. Cause COVID one year. And then next uh, year we had like a rain out or something. I forget what it was, but, oh, <laughs> but I've been to death Valley though. Oh my God. Oh, that must be amazing. And I, I mean, I can only imagine it's like, okay, that's just a mini version of that. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. that is impressive what they, yeah. And it, w- when you see that you're like, okay, I love that. We need to make that happen at more places. And I, you know what the, now I might be stealing some coaches a uh, trick here, but the selling point of like, you know, we can, we, we make regionals or we compete to make a regional, you know, that's a, I feel like that's a common thing, you know, that a coach, you know, at a winning program can sell. Right. right. And especially when it comes to California schools, it's, it's like, they're, they're starting to lose that a little bit. Not, not, it's just like the host sites, like there's just less opportunity for that. So I'm going back to that, that 32 host thing. It's like, we can use that. And it's still legitimate to say like, we're going to the, you know, we're going to a regional every year or something like that. Like we're competing for a regional every year. It's like, that is so valuable for, for players to have. I mean, yeah. gosh. Yeah. And I think where people got like, you know, the, the transformation committee did their, their study and there was a lot of student athletes involved and they came back and said, Hey, the NCAA tournament is so special. We think that 25% of the team should be in the NCAA tournament. And then when you do the math on that in basketball, it's 96 teams. And then people start freaking out thinking, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that would be terrible. And I actually agree with that. That's why I like 32 hosts with 72 teams mm-hmm. because, you know, like I just, I think our tournament's too small now. Um, college baseball's over 300 teams. It is mm-hmm. so special. And again, like I, what I'm worried about, and, and, you know, like the argument becomes this, like, well, we should get rid of NI or uh, RPI and choose net or, and like, for me, it's like, but the problem is, it's a zero sum game, right? Like this means mm. I'm getting rid of Arizona and inserting Arizona state. Well, for me personally, I'm still upset because I liked Arizona being in the tournament. Like they were me hot too. as a pistol yeah. down the stretch, you know? So that's where, when I look at the teams we got to include when we went, cause that, that was the whole point of the articles. I just took this year's field and said, Hey, let's 
put eight more teams in. They always give us their, you know, first four out. So they're in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's teams like Arizona State, USC, Kansas State, Wofford, Irvine, Santa mm -hmm. Barbara, uh, you know, like really good programs. Yeah. That, um, you know, and, and I, you know, 32 hosts. I, I always say people have heard me say this too many times, but, you know, like I've always heard people say, you want to get your athletic department excited about baseball, host the postseason. Let them oh, see yeah. the best version of college baseball. And, and the truth is, with 16 host sites, that's not enough. It, it's, it's always so going not. to be. The, and, and, you know, the other conference I'm giving short shrift to right now, Jack, is mm -hmm. the ACC. The ACC is um, thriving. In, like, they're, they're, you know, like Boston College almost hosted a regional this year. Duke almost hosted a regional. And then, you know, you mentioned conference realignment. I mean, the Big 12 is going to be hellacious in baseball going forward and you know who knows what happens with the big 10 with when you you know inject all those all those funds so you yeah. know it, it could be you know again i don't want to just i don't want to like sound the alarm and, and say that the sport is in dire trouble or anything like that but um mm. you know i i think there are things that we can look at um and 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 we can we can improve the product that's what i think do you think there's a way in which the conference shakeup, or at least the current landscape of the conferences where it's at right now, that can be the end game? Or do you think that there's more changes to be had and, and not anything specific, but there could be changes where you're like, yeah, this needs to happen for the sake of college baseball. I think, so when we talk about conference realignment, like I think, mm -hmm. you know, football is its own animal. And it's very complicated, but it generates 80% of the funds. I think basketball is kind of the next thing that mm -hmm. is top of mind. And then, you know, the Olympic sports get all grouped together and we're there. And baseball is kind of this weird, we're in this weird space because like, are we a revenue sport? Sort of. I don't know. And like the, the TV contract with ESPN and the NCA for Olympic sports will be up at the end of 2024. And mm -hmm. in theory, you know, women's basketball and baseball are included in that package. And, you know, mm. we are two sports who have really thrived softball, volleyball. So does that number go up significantly? I don't, it's hard to predict that stuff, but yeah, I think what I would say, the answer to your question is this, the current version of conference realignment, in my opinion, is unsustainable. It's, it's borderline ridiculous. And so athletic directors are not we're going to be forcing athletic directors to make a choice. Like they're either going to have to get rid of sports to balance their books, or yeah. they're going to have to say, you know what? Like, like I, I, I've, I've, I've thought this to myself. What if one of the Southwest, you know, what, what if one of the West coast big 10 schools said, you know what guys, we've been thinking about this and we're, we're still in for football. We're in, but for the other sports, we actually are, we're out. I'm sorry, but we're out. You know, like no one's going to do that, but what would happen? Right. Like, cause these contracts are not about anything but football, right? Like, yeah, no, exactly. Fox, it's so and, funny. Fox doesn't care about the other games. Right. It's almost yeah. more of a nuisance. So I, yeah. I think the current, you know, in 2029, 2030, we're going to have another round of all this. I just think it's so unsustainable for the Olympic sports, which we are part of that group that we more change is eminent. And so, again, just another thing that we need a room full of really smart people thinking about mm -hmm. such that we can um, we can figure it out. Because, you know, to your point earlier, Jack, conference scheduling in the next couple of years is going to be 
a farce, right? Like, let's be honest. Like, what what are we doing, right? Like, is, and is that still... affects whether or not you get in the tournament because of RBI. It. It's like, oh my god, it's the whole thing. It's all tied in. Yeah. And I'm just like, there's got to be a scenario where we all look at the finished product or product at the end of the day, and we're like, yeah, we did a good job there. Let's get the, let's get this thing firing up. Like, this is great. There's got to yeah. be right. There's no, yeah. there's no way that there isn't. Yeah. I, I mean, it blew my mind if that was, if that wasn't a possibility. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. Cause these conferences are getting so big that like we, we had fun with this on our podcast recently where we just said, mm. I, I'm probably overstepped my bounds, but I basically said, look, once we get all this realignment done outside of the sec, maybe, but 16 teams, like, you know, like we don't, we're not going to really have regular season champions anymore. Like even the SEC, which I think the SEC is the one league in conference realignment where they were the only league that was able to check every box, right? Mm-hmm. We, we got the best monetary situation possible. We actually, we have a league with legitimate regional rivalries. Uh, and, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, it, so like it, the, 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 and so we're one of the powers, we've got the funds and we've got a legitimate league, right? Like this is a league that's got staying power. But still, in, in baseball for the SEC, there are 15 other teams, and, and I'm going to play 10 and miss five. So yeah, the randomness I, there. I can't understand like, that. I yeah, can't to, understand that. To say that. that somebody's the conference champion feels not legitimate, right? Like, I played yeah. two-thirds of the teams. I didn't even play – I barely played a majority of the teams. Right. And to me, I just feel like the money – the wherever it's coming from, right? I feel like we could distribute it in better places. I mean, specifically coaching to start. I mean, I think that is like, for me, I, I wrote down things like, uh, like changes I would love to see, but feel like they might not happen in, let's just say the next three to five years. And mm-hmm. it was just more paid assistance, right? Just more paid assistance. I mean, God forbid you have a catching coach and a pitching coach, like, and an infield coach and an outfield coach, right? Or a ops guy. Like, no, no, no. You can only have three or whatever it is, and then maybe a volunteer. It's like, come on, you guys. We all know, like, the best programs are able to find, like, or not find, but just have teams that aren't your paid assistants or whatever. It's like they can fund those. It's like, come you know, on, like, who are and we that's kidding? been a cool trend. Like, Kendall Rogers has done a really good job on Twitter or X, you know, kind of like like Western Illinois which is a program that you, you worry about funding wise, you know, they're in the horizon and you just wonder, like they don't have the big football money to lean into all those types of things. Mm-hmm. And they just promoted their volunteer coach to a paid position. You're just like, Bravo, man, that is yeah. freaking awesome. Like Oakland university up in Michigan. So, you know, like that part is where it is interesting. Like where, you know, when people were talking about the third paid assistants, like, oh, schools like Western Illinois are going to drop baseball before they pay a third. Well, they didn't drop baseball and they paid. So I, 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 yeah, like I'm with you. Like we, sometimes there's more money there than we think there is. Sometimes, you know, like the PAC 12, it was, that was pretty jarring. You know, like the television companies basically looked at the PAC 12 that was for sale and they said, we're going to pass. And that, that is yeah. frightening, you know? So I don't know what, what yeah. It predict if we could predict the future i guess we wouldn't be chatting this evening but it's uh <laughs> it is interesting well i mean i also was considering just how we talked about earlier with scholarship numbers and nil 
you know, raising that scholarship kind of limit as well. Like which which I would pick over the other, um, and that's a tough one. You know, it's because on the player perspective, it's like, oh, having more scholarship guys. I mean, yeah, that'd be that'd be fantastic, yeah. but it doesn't change. Maybe it does, but probably shouldn't. Uh, whether or not you play a guy or the yeah. depth at which like you hold and actually play guys consistently, it's like that's not really what changes. You're still going out there playing nine and. You know, your pitching yeah. staff is maybe up to 20, right? But it's you know, 10 to 12 consistent, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's not really what changes. It's really more like what's the experience that player is getting at the school, you know? And, yeah. I mean, you can you can bet as much as you'd like that more coaches will likely yield a better experience to some degree. Yeah, right? I think I think that's fair. Yeah, like it's – it's um you know, like, hey, college baseball as compensation for coaches has gone up are the talent level of the coaches has gone up. And in theory, that's, you know, that's what if your son is deciding whether to go into professional baseball right away out of high school or come to college, like, you know, I, I want my son around the best teachers, the best people. It's, hmm. you know, I, I think that's a, a I, you know, I don't get really that wound up about um, how many coaches there are or paid coaches or those types of things. I think... Hmm. I think this is, and I actually don't even mind like no salary cap for players. What, what I, what I don't like is hoarding of players, you know, like, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. so like, like if, if everybody gets, cause again, like my premise, whether it could be wrong, but my premise is that like, if Arkansas is the program, I keep using Arkansas, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> mix it up, but LSU is probably they're the defending national champions. They, they deserve to get picked on. Right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. LSU, like, like, uh, uh, you know, Louisiana Lafayette or, you know, McNeese or whatever, great programs, great places to go to school, but they're really not beating LSU for players. I don't care what scholarship they offer. They're not going to beat LSU for players. Mm -hmm. So if, if we, if we believe that premise and I do, then putting a, a cap on how much scholarship LSU can give doesn't really help the situation. It doesn't mm -hmm. change it at all. It just takes money out of baseball families' pockets. So what I would rather do is just say, yeah. whatever, like, you can pay them whatever you want to pay them. However, you can only pay this number of them because yeah, now yeah, yeah. we're, and you know, like some people would say, well, you're robbing a kid of a chance to play baseball for LSU. And I'm like, no, I'm robbing a kid. Mm. I'm robbing the opportunity to be on the fall roster at LSU. And yeah. really the best way to go play at LSU is to go to McNeese and crush it and then transfer in as an established player. Who's yeah. so I don't know. As like, bad as that sounds, that is the best way. Right. Like <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, cause yeah, you've seen so many stories of like, Oh, this guy performed at this mid major. He's fantastic. And then he goes to, you know, insert power program X and it's like a success story. And you're like, great. Yes. Love that. And you brought it up earlier. There, there's probably the same amount where it doesn't work out. Sure. But yeah, you should allow players to have that opportunity from the start to say like, no, 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 you're going to go where you're wanted. Like, let's let's eliminate the whole possibility of like, just, uh, yeah, sure, we'll go and see how, it, see how it works out. If it does, it's like, no, you might as well go to junior college at that point, honestly. Like, yeah. if you're going to be player number 44, 45, like, go well, to and, and, You know, and what happens, Jack, is people would say that, like, and, and I think these are valid points, but people will say, hey, in this era, kids are smart, information is everywhere, mm -hmm. and they do see 
players go and get cut. Like that's, it's not a secret that players get cut. And again, I want to be clear. Like, I'm not saying players are not going to get cut. If we change Mm. when they get cut is what we have to choose. Like that's the decision has to be made. But Mm. I, but here's the point. What, What I think. So, so someone would say, well, hey, the market needs to correct itself, right? Like that's what needs to happen. If over signing and too big a fall rosters is a real thing, well, people will quit choosing this. This is where 18 to 22 year olds are not good. They're really smart. They're really savvy. They see what's happening. What they're not good at and their families also is that there is a little bit of I'm invincible and it won't happen to me, right? Like, sure, guys are going to cut in the fall, but I'm not going to cut in the fall. Like that's, you know, I, I told this story earlier um when when we recruited dustin madroya mm. you know the thing that was being used against us in recruiting was the year before we had a true freshman dennis wyrick who's a, a player agent now um he started every single game at shortstop and teams were like dustin what so you're going to arizona state you're you're telling you're telling me you don't want to play shortstop next year uh because arizona state just invested 56 starts into a freshman shortstop next year but dustin was the kid that said well, that's Dennis Wyrick's problem. That's not my problem, right? Like, <laughs> it's like Dennis Wyrick's the one that should be looking for a home, not me. So yeah. again, like mm-hmm. not every kid is Dustin Bedroya, but most 18 to 20 year olds don't, you know, they're, 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 they're not paranoid, right? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're courageous. They're, that's what we love about this age group is like, oh, they, yeah. they, they see all the possibilities. And so um, that's why I feel like the marketplace will not um, mm-hmm. uh, correct itself because Nobody, nobody looks at getting cut after the fall as a realistic possibility for themselves. They look at it as a realistic possibility for others. Yeah. I'll admit I, I was definitely in that boat where I'm like, Oh no, come on. I'm like, no chance. Nah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just how we are. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And it's great. It's great. Like I wouldn't change that. Like I, I don't want to change that. I don't want to scare people off. Right. Like it's, it's the people should think that way, but yeah, again, like, yeah. but, but we do have to be, mindful of like hey if we have 46 man rosters in the fall why and is that what's best for the game right like i think that's the yeah. question we have to answer and if we answer is yes then we keep doing our thing if the mm-hmm. answer is no then we have to think about what could make it better and this kind of goes back to like why i made this whole podcast in the first place is like you need to really educate yourself on how to make the right decision because it's pretty risky we'll just say risky to put all your eggs in one basket of i am it's baseball only and that's it because if you're going down that path which frankly i went down a pretty similar path it was like okay be ready for the things that might happen on the baseball fielder regarding to the baseball like you you better be ready to get hurt and transfer to a juco you know play your way into getting to another school like that'll just happen. And we, of course it happens all the time. Like so many guys come out of junior college and play at D one, but if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket, like you better be ready for that. You know? Yeah. And, and once you start transferring, like your academics better be in order, right? Like you, you better be a yeah. really good student. Like you, you're every time you transfer, you're trading in academic mulligans, right? Like mm. you're, you're making, yeah. and, and again, I, that's something I hope we never, I, I am such a believer in education. Like, Hey, I, yeah. I also believe that some of the richest people in the world, some of the wealthiest people in the world actually don't have a college education. Like, I believe that that can happen. But I also sure. think that education is a, such a um, it's Foundation. a generational. Yeah, it, it's like it just changes the way people 
you know, I, I just, I think that people, a lot of times we become what we look at, we become what we associate with those types mm. of things. And education just gives me a different lens, a different prism, um, a different thing to aspire to. And right. um, yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm, a, I, I hope that that's because it is kind of weird, you know, like as we professionalize this thing, I just, mm. I think about my day job, like if them saying to me, Hey, part of your employment contract is that you have to now become a stamp collector. And it's like, <laughs> I thought we were doing medical sales. What, what are you talking about? Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. it's like, Hey, I'm paying you to play baseball here, mm. but I also, you have to go to school. Like I, I'm, but uh, I just hope we never lose that. Like that would be a real mm. crime if, if we gave up on the academic component of college sports. And I'll be the first to say this, the most value I got out of going to college was just learning how to do college. Mm -hmm. That's the like learning how to time manage and get things done. Um, just be hardworking, resilient, have to fit, do something that's difficult that I don't want to do. I mean, the lessons you get from that, maybe you don't get from baseball. Like the, there's a different uh, environment that you that you walk into when when it's academics and whether like no matter what your relationship is with academics, whether you kill it or you struggle with it, there's always something to learn from it. Like there's always something to take from it. And I can tell you, like from experience, I've seen too many guys put all their eggs in the baseball basket and none in the education. And then it just and then the baseball doesn't work out. And it's like, all right, well, shoot, what do I do now? It's like. You realize you this whole time you had the chance to like really do something with the school part right like and I'm, I'm, a, I'm it, there's I'm, a reason I'm, it's a part of it yeah that's right and I agree you know? with you like I I my degree <laughs> I I have a very expensive accounting degree from college from a very expensive <laughs> school and I was an accountant for ten working days and my wife who like there you go. had to work seventeen jobs and she got an accounting degree too from a different college and like she was a CPA and had a career in accounting and I, I did it for 10 days. And it's like, but I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. I wouldn't change mm -hmm. my major. I wouldn't change the roughest days of that experience. I wouldn't like to your point a moment ago, like that, that experience forced me to grow in areas that for, forced me to learn about th things about myself that mm -hmm. like, I'm still reaping the benefits of those things. So yeah. Um, um, and again, just giving up on that because it's hard or punting it because you don't think it's your jam, that, that that bill comes due. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And like, again, the kind of I guess the theme that's actually taken over now is more like the the problem of like professionalizing college baseball. I mean, yeah, if we, if we just go full tilt into that, then it does t take away from that entirely like that. That will be the first thing that kind of goes. It's like, okay, no, we'll, we'll probably make it easier for players to get into school now. And they'll probably also get to uh, have tutors, you know, that, that might help them a little bit more because the baseball is driving it so much, you know, in terms of what's actually important in life. And it's like, I don't know if we want to go down that road. Are we sure right. about that guys? Like, come on. I mean, yeah. how many of you are getting drafted? How many of you are getting drafted? How many of you are making it like guys look at the numbers you like, know what's interesting this would be an interesting study i've never i need to ask some of my friends that are more professional baseball in orientation but hmm. my perception is that you know major league teams have always had pretty massive uh, in, uh investments in latin america and drafting hmm. those players and they draft them 
very young and and the very little reading i've done in that area is that Mm. mlb teams have really beefed up the education around the baseball for those players you know such that when they get here they feel sturdier they feel better with the language they feel more ready to open Mm. a bank account those types of things so that's kind of ironic is that that's a professional that's professional baseball injecting education into their system and here (laughs) we are not not saying anyone's doing this yet but here we are discussing the potential removal of education from our system when when professional baseball is is showing us the opposite move and it seems like it's paying dividends oh for sure it is i mean i can tell you firsthand experience yeah like i the amount of english that that my former latin american teammates could speak i was pretty astounded i was like this is that. so impressive. It's so impressive. You're like, wait, you guys have been in this class for how long? I mean, like, I guess maybe they know at a certain point they're like, all right, yeah, I'm good enough. I'll probably make it to the, Amer- you know, to America at some point, but like to learn a whole nother language. And then, yeah, like you're saying, like learning about like taxes and stuff. I mean, like it's next level where you're like, yeah, it's like we couldn't, ne- we, we can't abandon the education piece. Yeah. I can't do it. I, I totally agree. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So I know, we've been at this for pretty long and uh-huh. I don't even know if we, we, I feel like we did cover everything that I wanted to talk about in terms of the changes. Uh-huh. I have a couple little questions that kind of, or, you know, they, they're like hypotheticals. It's like, Oh, okay. Like what's the likelihood this could happen in the next handful of years? Like, like, you know, we don't even have to scale it, right? Like one to 10, one to a hundred. It's just like, how likely is this to happen? And okay. I, I just want your take on it. Yeah, let's do and it. And there's there's four, so we can you know quickly cover these four, and then okay. and then we can wrap it up. But I just feel like these would be fun things where I'm like, okay, yeah, let's let's see what Rune's is thinking about this. Okay, okay. First one, the transfer portal will be regulated, limited in the amount of players you can obtain each year. That amount is... of players. So yeah, I don't know if we is... even covered that yet. Yeah. No. I've. That is so, so I thought about this one and I'm like, this could be, that could change a lot of things. Yeah. I, so what I, what I, what's tricky about that one is Mm. it's like, you're going to have to pick a number and you're, it's going to be an artificially chosen number, right? Like, and the other thing that I worry about that is that not all situations are created equal, you know, like some schools are like world-class academic institutions some schools are taking junior college transfers and everything in between. I think what I would try, if you were pitching me on that, what I would try to, you know, like change your, your order to would be the, like some type of fall roster limit so that, you know, by definition, I'm forcing you to choose, you know, a different number of transfers because I'm just asking you to get to a certain number. Um, So now I, I would say this, like, you know, scale of one to 10, 10 being like, this needs to happen. Studying the portal needs to happen because there, we are dealing with a lot of unintended consequences right now. And mm-hmm. I think we really, there, there are kind of guardrails in there that some are working, some aren't. So I think our, you know, I, I think of, um, I think we need to do some serious study in the transfer portal, but my, my leaning would be more towards not 
that's a little too specific for me. Mm-hmm. I would try to put a cap on the overall player pool and then let the coaches, hey, if you're big on transfers, you do your thing. If you're not big on transfers, you do your thing. Yeah. When you said to make it a cap at the fall, I, I thought, yeah, that's probably the the change that, that I would make. And I think, like you said, there just needs to be something kind of uh, done about it and just, yeah, just look into it, you know, think about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, there's, it's never, we're never gonna have it perfect, but let's, let's, let's continue to study it. And there's an opportunity for that. I mean, you, you and I can agree. Yes. There's an opportunity. Okay. Second one. Um, Actually, we kind of alluded to this one a little bit. Uh, I said the NIL pool will be limited in how much you can spend each year. So we kind of already talked about that a little bit. Um, if you want to elaborate all, but yeah, the NIL pool being limited in how much you can spend each year. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I don't mind that one being unlimited because I don't think limiting it changes anything. Like, yeah, I just, I just, you know, like, I don't think, um, I think that salary cap doesn't really matter as much because like our schools are naturally tiered, like, whereas the Yankees and the Rays are kind of like, yeah, different in money. It, it It's, it doesn't affect it, recruiting. That's for sure. Yeah. So it's really I, just, it's, it's kind of comparing like, okay, uh, maybe LSU and Florida have like a slight difference and it's like, okay, maybe I can one up Florida from LSU or something like that. But yeah, it's like that. All right. Yeah. Putting a cap on it's tricky because like, this is a terrible example, but actually maybe a good example. Johnny Manziel is kind of like the commercial, the poster child for, you know, like Texas A&M built a billion dollar football stadium, you know, and Johnny Manziel was very much in the mix as far as getting people lathered up such that where that could happen. And so like, what is a fair salary cap to, you know, like that's where with Nick Saban, like people talk about coaching salaries being capped. And I'm like, I think I could argue that if Nick Saban's making $10 million a year, he's grossly underpaid. Like every metric at Alabama is up, (laughs) right? Like donations are up, buildings, you know, being built. Oh my gosh. Everything is up. So yeah, like I do, I don't like hoarding of players, but I think, I think, um, or, you know, like, I, I shouldn't say I don't like, that sounds so judgmental. I'm it's like concerned a preference. about it. Yeah. 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 I, I'm, 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 it's on, it's something that I, I'm, I'm trying to reconcile, but mm. you know, as far as like an NIL cap, I think I'd probably, I'd pass on that one. That's so funny about the saving thing. Cause if, if you're trying to, you know, equate the proportions, right. Of like, how much does this coach generate for this program? Then yeah, you're, you'd be right. <laughs> it's yeah. like blank check infinite. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, okay, third thing. Third thing. This is an interesting one. We haven't covered this one. So uh I said I don't even know what this conference is called. Uh they probably have like four teams in it right now. The, I called it the PAC something, right? Oh, it's yeah, the, the it's that four. conference. Yeah. yeah, it's like what are they? And I basically just made the statement of they will continue to be a top five conference to play in. So just competitively, right? I don't know who ranks it, I forget the name but they'll just be ranked in the top five with whatever group of teams that they will have. So, so, so let me, let me clarify your question. So you're saying like the four schools that are left behind right now, Stanford, Cal, Washington state and Oregon state, is that who you're referring to? Um, Yeah. I'm going to assume that they'll maintain that and add a few and then hopefully maintain that conference instead of disband. Now that's a guess. I don't know how likely that is to actually happen. So, but I'm hoping it does. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's moot because I think we're going to get to mm. 2030 and everyone's going to be like, what in Hades are we doing? And I think now the problem is going to be though, that the sec could mm. be down there saying, 
we're, we're, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Like, this is great. Like we mm. added two marquee programs. Our conference is still regionally aligned. We've got funding, you know, like we're, we're, everything is going great. So what's mm. the motivation for the sec to change? Um, I, I would tell you that, no, I, I, I think it's, I think it's likely that those schools are, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's interesting for, it's a great question because, you know, we've said this, right. Oregon state and Stanford, whatever, 14 months ago, were the number two and number three seed in our entire national tournament. Oregon yeah. state's got three national titles since 2006. That leads the country. Stanford three straight Omaha's leads the country and they are homeless right now. So Crazy. I think, I think they're not part of the power five. I think there is no power five anymore. If, mm. if, the the road we're going down right now is there's no more power five it's power four yeah um but is that road sustainable i think it's not so now i'm thinking because i actually forget there was a non-power five team that was ranked uh in the top five conferences was it like maybe the sun belt last year oh or... in baseball yeah in yeah, baseball it, it would have been because i'm trying to think because the pack has always been you know three or four usually right oh bids uh, well, they'll they'll always be ranked. At oh, least oh rank, yeah, rank, rank, yeah, yeah. So there. Like, yeah, SEC, ACC typically have the two strongest RPIs. Big yeah. Twelve might come up and clip the ACC or the Pac-12 might, but yeah, like those four. Um, yeah. The American had been like the number five, uh, you know, yeah. you know, and and that they, obviously that league has has gone undergone some big changes and big change, yeah, yeah. But I'll, I'll look it up while we're talking. But I, you're right. I think it was the Sun Belt was the uh all right let's go well, conference ranking and i'm thinking now like who's gonna take that who's gonna now be in that top five because i feel like people would always talk about that like, oh yeah we're a top five conference like yeah we're a top six conference it's like all right well if you can be if you're not a power four you know but you can be the fourth or fifth best conference that's a huge leg up as well of like hey look at us like we're, yeah. we're a pretty good conference like there's there's gonna be people looking at our conference saying that's great competition to play like we're gonna give that some uh some eyeballs if we're the pro orgs like there, there's going to be new it has to be new if, if the pack is so here was the, disbanding. Yeah. here's the six the top six rpi leagues last year okay sec acc big 12 pack 12 sunbelt big 10 so you and i are talking mm -hmm. about 2025 because the pack 12 has one more year the normal mm -hmm. pack 12 mm -hmm. so that that's gone and so so you got to assume sec acc big 12 maintain so sunbelt and big 10 i think I think those two leagues are going to continue to surge in baseball. So I would just mm -hmm. scoot them up. Like I would actually, yeah. I would say the Sun Belt. Yeah, this, I think the Sun Belt and the Big Ten are kind of like they're they'll be jockeying for fourth and fifth. Yeah, which is actually like I I really you know I hate to see this for the pack, but mm. the Sun Belt and the Big Ten I'm thrilled for. Like love those leagues. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's called the fun belt for a reason. Like That's there's right. a lot of awesome. programs in that conference where you're like, yeah, they're making, they're making baseball exciting. Like they, they're fun to follow. A lot of those teams. I liked following them last year. Good environments. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's exactly. Yeah. That's it. That's a really interesting one though. I do. I do expect a lot of change to happen as well. Oh God. Yep. Hopefully not too much. Okay. This is my last one. And we actually glossed over this a little bit. Uh, it's kind of a two-parter. Uh, it depends on your first answer, though. Uh, so what's the likelihood that a non-Power 5 team, or I guess Power 4 team, wins the College World Series? So this is next three to five. So I'm giving you yeah. 
we're giving you, uh, let's just say up to five years, right? Up to five chances for a non-power five, four to win the College World Series. Got it. So I would say if you're giving me, so power four. We'll say power four outside of power four is the field you get. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I'll do it this way. So SEC, ACC, big 12 and big 10, I'm going to call the power four because mm-hmm. they're taking those four pack 12 schools. Um, and then, so basically what, what you're asking me is what is the percentage chance? And you can, you can, I'm going to rephrase your question. You change it if you want. Mm-hmm. You're asking me what's the percentage chance in the next three to five years that a Sun Belt or below team wins the national title? Yeah. I think it's 0%. I think it's 0%. Oh. And that, that hurts my heart to say that. I think it's, oh. I, just, I can't even, Jack, here's the problem. I oh, can't even I hate, visualize, I... I can't even visualize a non SEC school winning the national title. How am I going to picture? And, you know, like the one school that kind of shocked the world recently, you know, besides coastal 2016, but yeah, Michigan in 2019, mm. but now they're kind of part of the chosen ones. Right. So, yeah. And even that was crazy, right? Michigan had to go on the road um, to Oregon state and UCLA and take down the number one team in the country in UCLA. So, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, it hurts my heart to say that. And, and again, like it's, Ugh, yeah, I think I'm, what I'm coaching myself up on is this, it's okay mm. for that to be true. And then I can also be excited about or- oral Roberts, right? Like that, that, yes, that, yes. that part is, uh, Oral Roberts. I mean, Oral Roberts is only the third number four seed ever to make it to Omaha. So, you know, like, it's not like it's been mm-hmm. happening left and right. But yeah, but giving that opportunity for things like that to happen, that is where you're kind of raising the floor of college baseball. Yeah. So it's like, I'd rather raise the floor than, you know, yeah. hope that the ceiling can get shuffled a little bit more. Yeah. You know? And I would tell you, that's another thing I'm passionate about with the 32 hosts is that if you think about it, like, I think, like take Fairfield from a couple years ago that had that miraculous yeah. season in 2022. Mm-hmm. I, I would contend that Fairfield could beat anybody in a three game series that year. Now, is it, is it likely? No, but, but I feel like they could do it. Now you put them in this four team regional. And I think like their percentages start to drop dr- drastically, right? Like mm-hmm. they've got to win three games in a weekend. Um, now I, I just remember this from the early two thousands where I saw Pepperdine, under Steve Rodriguez had a great program mm. and three different times they went, they started a regional two and O I was in one of them. And mm. like, you know, like you're like, dang, like, you know, like if it's a three game series, you you're gone, you're out of there, pack your bags, move on. Yeah. And then they, all three of those instances, they got whacked the rest of the regional because wow. they had, because they just were out of pitching. Right. And, and well, oh, pitching depth. Ooh, that's my, yeah, there <laughs> that's you go. the bone. I right so, so that's what I love about the three game series is first of all, it's the metric we're most used to in college baseball. But mm-hmm. second of all, it's, you know, like still more often than not, the best team's going to win, but you know, I don't know. Pepperdine goes to play LSU and Baton Rouge and they have a really good, they have Dan Heron on the mound on Friday night and he beats Paul Skeens by some one, no, you know, one zero miracle. And next mm-hmm. thing you know, it's getting real you know, there's not as much oxygen in the LSU dugout and they're on their heels. You know, and it's like, Oh, yeah. never and know. you got to win one more game as opposed to a regional where it's like, you know, you still got to win two more games. So, yeah. Oh, dude, this, that's a great 
point. Because because it's the same thing with like March Madness, right? You just, just got to beat them once. It's once, just this right. one team and you move on. And it's yeah. like, hey, we can do this, you know. But a regional, it's like three other teams and I'm the four seed. It's like, geez. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, wow. I didn't even think yeah, about that. I, I feel for like some of those automatic qualifier teams, even if they're 2-0 in the winner's bracket and their number three pitcher has to beat like, again, we'll keep picking on LSU. They have to beat LSU's number four. LSU's number four would be their number one, right? Yes. So it's like, yeah, it's not a fair fight anymore. So, mm. you know, we're, we're speaking yeah. very generally, Dang. but that's another, that's another thing I love about the 32 hosts idea is that mm-hmm. I love converting everything to three game series. Cause I think it's just such a fun, uh, you know, metric for our sport. It is. And oh God, that's the, okay. If you're going to take away anything from this, like NCAA, take away that, take away the freaking 32 hosts thing. Okay. Wait, because we talked a little bit about this, uh, about the, you know, who would win, right? It's like, uh, no one. And uh, honestly, I kind of agree. Right. This will be my last question, though, is if you had to pick a team, you you have to pick a team to win. We'll just not next three to five years. We'll just say we could say next year. You could say three to five years if you want to if you want to just highlight a program you really like. But we can we can just say for this year, considering, you know, who's on the team and, you know, the coaches, everything. Yeah. It's a little bit more concrete, you yeah. know. So maybe just for this year, you're like, all right, yeah. this is like, this Fair. is like a dark horse where I'm like, I just really like this program, and no, they're not in the Power Four, or Power yeah. Five, or whatever it is. But great question. Yeah, but I, I just it. like I this an, team. I get an answer. I mean, like some of the names that jumped in my head were like UConn, um, you know, programs like that, um, like an Irvine or a Santa Barbara. I think could mm. do it. Um, but the the answer I'm going to give you is East Carolina. Like I know East Carolina <sighs> has. Like they, they yeah. have worked so hard to try and get to Omaha and failed. I think when they get to Omaha, they and they're gonna it's gonna they're, it's gonna happen. They're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. When they get to Omaha, like it's all the chains are off, right? Like, that's out of the bag. Yeah, it's like it's like I really believe that's part of why Coastal Carolina won the national title in 2016 is because they were so good for so long, but mm-hmm. couldn't get to Omaha. And when they finally got to Omaha, it was just like. They Heads were, on fire. Yeah, it was like it was like this. I don't know, like this racehorse that broke out of the, you know, out of the pasture and it's like he yeah. gone. That's it. Yeah. You know what? That has to be the best pick. Now that I think about it. I mean, yeah, as a someone who played against them, it was like, okay, this yeah. team is they're definitely capable, more than capable yes. of competing there. And it's like you just got to see it happen now. Yeah, yeah, it's they're carrying they're you know east carolina that's that's a heavy burden they're carrying around right now and um but they're that's a legitimately awesome program yeah i like that you know what i hate to say it they might they might actually be mine too and that's such the wrong thing to say coming from as a tulane alum that might be the worst thing to, ever, to say ever <laughs> you're allowed yeah game respects I, game i think is what they call that, that is what it is though because i saw it firsthand yeah dang all right i'll have to think of another one but Shoot, that I think that's gonna be it, Mike. I mean, that was awesome. I yeah, it was fun. Good, good college baseball therapy session here. You can invoice send me an invoice. <laughs> I'll send you a check. That's good. No, uh, I, I think that's great. I, and I, I love I hope, talking college ball. This is awesome. And I feel like we need more of it too. We just need more talk about the the topics that again are new and uh just haven't been really uh, chewed on, you know? Like mm-hmm. just the ones that need just need more discussion about. So 
Yeah, this has been great. I mean, yeah, super fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we can. And the thing is, too, we can dive into like one for even longer and just keep yeah. going like the uh, the depth of it is just what amazes me. But yeah, yeah I mean, that that'll definitely be it for this episode. You know, we could, we, we could obviously go on forever. But but yeah, I'll just say thanks. I mean, this has been awesome. Yeah, me too. I enjoyed this very much. This The time blew by. So thanks for thanks for having <laughs> me. This is good stuff. <laughs> okay so with that we i will talk to you really briefly after we sign off but that is going to do it for this episode of player to prospect and we will see you next week